this is my last story, and I would like you to know that this is probably my favorite story of all. It is dedicated to the woman that you are about to meet. This is called Maud. I was not what you would call a great student. To be perfectly honest with you, I was one of those kids that had wiggles and jiggles and just could not sit still. More than anything, I wanted to be on the outside looking in, not on the inside looking out. Well, it might have been me, might have been the teachers. There was Sister Mary Geraldine. Boys and girls, Charles Carroll of Carrollton, the only Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence. That's not a piece of information you use a lot. When I was in high school, there was Senior Donald Mettler for Spanish who prided himself on always speaking in a monotone. Buenos dias, estudiantes, como está usted? The man could knock me out in under five minutes. There was that English literature class in college with Miss Arlene Ball, the one in which we were discussing crime and punishment. We spent an entire class hour trying to decide whether or not Raskolnikov really did have hemorrhoids. <laughs> that was the moment I discovered I needed to go learn things a different way. So I decided to go to New York City. I figured if I couldn't learn what I needed to know about life in New York City, I couldn't learn it anywhere. The first thing I learned is if you want to stay in New York City, you have to have a job and a place to live. I got a job. I went to work off-Broadway, very off-Broadway. But if you want a place to live, you have to wait for somebody somewhere to get married or move out of town or die and free up a space. So I waited. And eventually, somebody did something. And I moved into a little apartment on West 76th Street near Columbus Avenue. It was just a long, skinny room in a brownstone with a tiny kitchen and a bathroom at the end, but it was all mine. I moved in on a Saturday. I didn't have much. I had a stereo and a sofa bed and a couple of boxes of kitchen things. And that afternoon, I went down Columbus Avenue to the Pioneer grocery store, and I bought food. And then I went to the La Rochelle liquor store and bought a bottle of vodka. And I went home and set about the business of learning how to become a grown-up. I was making supper when there was a knock at the door. And disregarding everything I had promised my mother I would never do, I opened the door. And standing there was a little tiny woman in a blue chenille bathrobe with a can of cleanser in her hand and a towel over her arm. Can I help you? I'm Maud Pincus. I live third floor rear. I've come to take my bath. I beg your pardon? I'm Maud Pincus. I live third floor rear. The women who rent this apartment have always let me take a bath here on Tuesday and Saturday nights. It's Saturday night. I want to come in and take my bath. Don't you have a bathroom? Well, of course I have a bathroom. I share the bathroom down the hall with Mr. Sullivan and Mr. Galensky. Now, I don't mind sharing the facilities, but I draw a line at taking a bath with two men. She made so much sense. I let her in. And the next thing I knew, I was standing in my brand new apartment, listening to a total stranger splash in my bathtub. And she was singing, Just in time, I found you just in time. 
That was the moment I discovered very little in life turns out the way you think it will. Everybody who lived in the brownstone had a job. Maud's job was keeping track of everybody in the brownstone. She was very good at it, too. She saw right away that I was new to living in New York City, so she took me under her wing. Pay attention. Stay away from Mr. Galensky. I think he makes obscene phone calls. And if you're going to put your garbage in the can under the stoop, make a lot of noise when you go down the stairs. That way you won't scare the rat that lives behind the can. <laughs> Gradually, we became friends, and I discovered the only money that Maud had in the whole world was her monthly Social Security check. Her whole life was neatly measured out in nickels and dimes, including the $7 a month she spent at the check-cashing man. Maud, don't do that. Come with me to my bank. I'll cash your check for free. No, I'm sorry. I couldn't do that. Why not? Because one day when you leave, and I know one day you will, I'll have to get used to not having it. It's better not to start. Well, although Maud didn't have any money, she knew how to make New York City work better for her than anybody you ever met. Pay attention. The 84th Street Library has the best discard pile in the city. Miss Grimble's on Columbus Avenue has free cheesecake samples. And if you can get out of your office on Wednesdays, Bonwit Tellers has a free fashion show with coffee and sandwiches. And every Tuesday and Saturday night, she took a bath in my bathtub. <laughs> Except one Saturday night, she showed up all ready to go out with her red wool coat and her big black handbag. Maud, where are you going? Get your coat. There's an opening at the Cresham Gallery. Maud, we can't, we can't go there. You have to have an invitation. Nonsense. Mama always said that which is easily done is soon believed. Now get your coat. And there we were, standing on Madison Avenue, watching well-dressed people get out of taxi cabs. And when they went through the heavy glass doors, she grabbed my hand and we sailed in right behind them. I found myself standing in front of an incredible collection of photographs. Maud, Maud, this photograph is by Alfred Stiglitz. Maud, Maud, here comes the gallery manager. We have to get out of here. You know, I remember the day this photograph was taken. Yes, I do. Alfred and I were lunching at Delmonico's, and he said to me, Maudie, he always called me Maudie, you know. He said, Maudie, the Oritania is docking on 34th Street. Let's go. And for the next 45 minutes, she held them spellbound. She told them stories about Alfred Stieglitz, Gallery 291, the beginning of modern art in America, and the truth about Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> they sent us home in a cab. <laughs> As we went uptown in the dark, I asked her, did you really know him? Did you really know Stieglitz? Of course I did. When I lived at the Salvation Army woman's home, my roommate had been his housekeeper. She told me stories about him every night. Then you never went to Delmonico's, did you? Oh, yes, I did. My parents took me to Delmonico's the night they told me they were getting a divorce. That is the place I learned the only person I would ever rely on was myself. Right around Thanksgiving... My boss threw two tickets on my desk. He said, show opening tonight at the Barrymore, and if you want to see it, I'd go tonight. I smell turkey. 
I rushed home and I said, Maud, two tickets to a Broadway opening. She said, splendid. We have just enough time to go shopping. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to spend money on a free ticket. Nonsense. Mama always said a lady with no money in her purse should have a good head on her shoulders. And at Saks Fifth Avenue, I picked out a dress of dusty blue velvet with a cutaway back. She said for someone her age, black silk was best. Pay attention. Notice the way the seams are finished just so and the way the buttons are covered. Those are the signs of a well-made garment. That night, we leaned over the brass rail at the balcony at the Barrymore and watched people go down into their seats in the orchestra. She leaned over and said, Oh, look, see that little woman down there? Oh, my, that's Helen Hayes. Oh, I remember in the 1930s, she opened in a play about Queen Victoria. Oh, she was a queen. She was so wonderful. Her husband, Charles MacArthur, gave her a coat of black sable. It had her initials inside in sky-blue silk. I know. I put them there. Remember, some people are especially blessed by God, and some people are not. After the show, we walked over to Times Square and had hot dogs at Nathan's. The next day, while I was at the office, Maud sewed the tags on the dresses and took them back to Saks. <laughs> it was the end of February when she knocked on my door in the middle of the night. Maud? Maud, is that you? It's, it's two o'clock in the morning. I know. That's why you have to get dressed. Hurry, quick, we're going out. Now? Now. We went down the marble steps of the brownstone and threw open the wrought iron door and stepped out onto the stoop and all of New York City was swept up in a great snowstorm. All of the cars on West 76th Street had disappeared and in their place there was just an undulating river of white. We walked on down to the corner to Central Park West and for as far down as we could see there was not a person or a car, nothing just the traffic lights that said, stop, wait, go, stop, wait, go. I walked single file with her behind me so I could cut a path through the snow. And we walked for a long time until we came to West 48th Street, the top of Times Square, the top of that canyon the whole world knows is excitement and action and noise. And it was absolutely silent. Not a footprint, no one. Just the statues of George M. Cohan and Father Duffy wearing great white capes and tall hats of snow. It was so still we could hear the neon chasers of the lights as they ran round and round on the signs. And through the snow I could see the ruby and sapphire and emerald lights. Oh, Maud, I don't think anybody's ever seen it like this. It's been like this before. It'll be like this again. This, this is just your turn. And we turned around and walked uptown got to about the Dakotas at 72nd Street when we could hear the snowplows coming up Columbus Avenue. It was in July when I got a letter from a theater in St. Louis. 
It said they had a job for me if I wanted it, but I had to go right away. That is always the way it is in theater. They needed you last week. I decided to go, because the truth is I was lonely, and there was someone there I knew I could love. But I was worried about Maud, and on Wednesday night I went upstairs and knocked on the door of her sleeping room. She opened it, and I could see for the first time her room with its putty-colored walls and its iron bedstead, its small desk and lamp, and a window too tall to look out of. Maud, I, I got a job offer in St. Louis, and I, I think I'm going to take it. Well, then, good luck, then. Well, Maud, even though I'm leaving, I can still come back. We could still be friends. My folks live in Jersey. I think not. Why? Mama always said the briefest goodbyes were best. Well, Maud, we could still stay in touch. Goodbye. And she stepped back into the room and closed the door. And I never saw her again. When I moved out on that Saturday, I didn't have much, just about the same stuff I showed up with. My sofa bed and a stereo, a couple of boxes of kitchen things. And I went back one last time, just to make sure I was all cleaned up. I left a can of cleanser in the bathroom with a note that said, This can of cleanser belongs to Maud Pincus. Treat her well. She deserves it. And if you're very lucky, she may just be the best teacher you ever had. Maud. <laughs>